Well, hello. This is a talk about creation. Um, it's primarily for Christadelphians, so it does presume the beliefs of the Christadelphians and engages with some of their material. But if you're not a Christadelphian, welcome along, and I hope you find this talk uh, useful. Um, so what we're going to be looking at uh, in this talk are really two things. We're going to be looking at the beginning, the word beginning in Genesis chapter one, um, verse one, and also looking at the uh, word created. So that's what this study is all about. And it's hopefully will create a good foundation for going on to consider other aspects of uh, creation that we find recorded in Genesis chapter one, two, and other passages in scripture. So let's uh, make a start then and look firstly at beginning. Now, uh, the word beginning, where uh, sheath, or as it's in, it's actually in Genesis 1, verse 1, of course, it's combined with the word for in, so it's bare sheath. And this word um, has a number of different senses as used in the Old Testament. So, for example, it's uh, translated first um, in Exodus 23, verse 19, uh, first fruits in Leviticus chapter 2 and uh, verse 12. Um, and there's a related word, um, rosh, um, for example, we found um, in Genesis chapter 49. So um, we have various senses of this uh, word and uh, related words, um, and they all come together in uh, the New Testament, uh, for example, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, where we read, and he is the head of the body, the ecclesia, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Um, so we can see there's lots of different senses there and we can see how some of these things are brought together, these different senses are brought together uh, with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as spoken of here in Colossians chapter 1. But what we're looking at um, in this study primarily is the sense of beginning, which we uh, find in Genesis 1 and verse 1. And of course, this, as we've seen, is also used of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Colossians 1. Now, there's an important principle here to note uh, from uh, the outset with regard to um, uh, its, you, its application to, for example, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, there, and that's this principle that, um, first of all, we have the natural, then the spiritual. So in 1 Corinthians 15, and verse 46, it says, how be it, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards, that which is spiritual. So that principle, if it applies anywhere, of course, is going to apply in the very opening words of the, uh, of the book of the, of, the, of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. So when we consider those words in the beginning, um, first, we, they have a natural uh, application, which is in relation to the, the creation of the, the heavens and the earth, um, the, the universe, as perhaps we would call it uh, uh, today. And then there's a spiritual, deeper aspect um, in, this, in that, that creation foreshadows Christ as the beginning of the new creation. But it's important to understand that um, the natural 
comes first and forms the basis for what follows. So we can't have a, an, interpret, an interpretation, it would be wrong to interpret um, the early verses of Genesis and say well, they're, they're, they're all spiritual and don't we actually relate to anything, uh, anything natural. But what we're going to be concentrating on um, in, in this uh, talk um, are really how it with these words um, relate to the natural as spoke as concerning the events being spoken of um, in the uh, in Genesis chapter Genesis chapter one. Okay, now we have another important principle here, which we uh, need to uh, note uh, in, in passing, really, but it's, it's an important point, uh, and that is this, that the law uh, is called the law of Moses, uh, for example, in the, it's referred to that, as that in Luke 24. Um, and it's worth bearing in mind that although um, the book of Genesis uh, contains sections which uh, clearly were written by um, by others before the time of Moses, nevertheless, the book as we have it today, as compiled by Moses, is actually forms part of the law of Moses. And so, for example, in Galatians chapter four, we read, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Now that's referring back to uh, scripture in, in the book of Genesis, and it's called there in Galatians of the law. So the book of Genesis um, is part of the law, and that is the law of Moses. Now, believing the law of Moses, um, which includes Genesis, is a precursor to believing Christ, <clears throat> for it says, uh, the Lord Jesus said himself in John chapter 5, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. So really then, we need to make sure that we understand um, and believe uh, the book of Genesis uh, before we turn to consider um, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Christ believed in creation, but if people are not convinced of Genesis creation, then um, they will not believe um, in Christ. Now, it's true that, for example, Paul used the reasoning in 1 Corinthians 15, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. But he only did that after he established, um, drawing on hundreds of witnesses, the fact that Christ was alive. So really, um, we need to uh, remember that um, the words of Paul, that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, not the other way round. If you don't believe Genesis, the early chapters of Genesis, and don't understand them um, and believe what uh, is written there, then that's going to uh, hinder us and undermine our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we really need to have a good, clear understanding and a good, clear belief and faith in uh, the uh, early chapters of Genesis uh, and, of course, the rest of the law um, as well. So we'll ask this question. How long was the beginning in Genesis chapter one, verse one? So in Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So how long was that um, beginning? Now, it's the way to address that question. One way to look at that is a question is to have a look at how beginning is used in other parts um, of the scripture, including, of course, the Old Testament. 
So here's um, a use of the word beginning, same Hebrew word, in Jeremiah 28 and verse 1, where we read, And it came to pass the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month. So this is the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, but it's in his fourth year, um, in the fifth month. Now, he reigned for 11 years, so um, we get to the fourth year, and it's still being referred to as the beginning. So we can see then that uh, uh, the beginning uh, need not necessarily refer to an instantaneous moment. And in this particular instance, um, it's uh, over three years um, long. Here's another example. This is from the New Testament. The words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So there's a beginning. And this beginning contains all these different things. Nations rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes and diverse places. They're all being occurring um, in what's referred to here as the beginning. So, um, again, we can see that a beginning is not necessarily an instantaneous moment, but things happen in this period. It's a period of time in which there are lots of different things um, can happen. Here's another example. Um, the Apostle Paul writes, Now ye know also um, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that's a quotation from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 15. So um, he, he speaks here about the beginning of the gospel, um, and um, it lasts at least as long uh, up until the point when he departed from Macedonia. Now, in, we read of him first coming to Macedonia in Acts chapter 16, verse 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. Um, and then we read about him leaving um, the area in Acts chapter 17, verse 14. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. So uh, between uh, those two um, uh, events, those two periods of time, or events, we have... A period of time which is the beginning uh, in, in, in terms of the way Paul writes in Philippians. From Acts chapter 16 verse 12 through to Acts 17 verse 14. As far as um, in, in relative to what Paul is talking about here, uh, the, the beginning of the gospel in Macedonia, we can see that it is a period of time. So what we can see from that is that... Um, the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is not necessarily, by definition, a moment. Um, when we think of Paul's, Paul's use of a moment, for example, when he talks about a person being changed from mortal to immortal. Um, the beginning in Genesis 1 isn't necessarily um, like that. It can be a period of time um, covering, uh, as we possibly, uh, years, as we've seen uh, in the... Uh, an example of particularly uh, especially Zedekiah. Well, now let's think of um, the use of the beginning um, in uh, by the Lord Jesus in relation to the creation. So this takes us, was um, speaking about what we, we read of in Genesis chapter one, um, and these are the words of the Lord <coughs> the Lord Jesus. Now, he says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them 
male and female. So whatever the beginning is in Genesis 1, it includes the um, making of Adam and Eve, which obviously is what is being spoken of here. Now, in Genesis 1, verse 27, we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then we're told in Genesis, in verse 31, And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So Adam and Eve, as we know, were made on the sixth day. But we can see from the words of the Lord Jesus that that sixth day is part of the beginning so we can make a little parallel there between these two terms the sixth day is part of the beginning of the creation as, as spoken of by the lord jesus and so we can conclude from that that the beginning in genesis one is indeed a period of time um, and it lasts at least up until the sixth day when Adam and Eve uh, were made. And here's another similar pas passage. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not that read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And so, uh, again, that's a similar passage, uh, this time from Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. The um, Lord Jesus showing that Adam and Eve were made in the beginning. Um, we know they were made on day, in uh, day six, and so we can conclude that day six um, is part um, of the beginning. So we would suggest then that when we read of the beginning in Genesis 1 verse 1, that's a period of time and it stretches uh, up to uh, at least six days when Adam and Eve were made. Now, in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 4, we read, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that Yahweh, um, God, made the earth and the heavens. Now, we have the use of a day there, which quite clearly is not um, referring to an individual day uh, as recorded um, in the record of the uh, creation it's being used in a more general uh, sense and of course in, in english we use the same um we use the, the english word day um often or sometimes with the same sense so we might say something like it wasn't like that in my day and we're not talking about an individual period of 24 hours we talk about a period of time um and that's how scripture uses this term so for example in numbers 7 8 verse 84 if you go if you have a look at that verse you'll see that the word day there actually um, is being used of a 12-day um, period. Now, in Exodus 20, in verse 11, we have these well-known words, for in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rest the seventh day. Wherefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So um, we have a, a, a statement there concerning um, the making of the heavens and the earth, quite clearly stating that it took place um, in a period of six days. And we can see a parallel there between um, Genesis 2 verse 4. It says, in the day that Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens, and we can all, and the words in Exodus, for in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth. So we can see 
um, the six days there in Exodus parallels with the, the day, the period of time in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 4. But we see a parallel there uh, uh, between these two words, uh, made. Made the earth and the heaven in Genesis 2 and made heaven and earth in uh, Exodus chapter 20, and verse 11. And there's that parallel then as well between the in the day um, and six days. So what we've established so far, we're looking at Genesis 2 verse 4, um, is that we have a period of time there which we've managed to um, see quite straightforwardly is referred to the six days of creation. We can, we can work that out anyway from uh, Genesis, uh, just by looking at Genesis chapter 1 um, and 2, and we can also see it by making a parallel here uh, with Exodus 20 and verse 11. Now, in Genesis 2, verse 4, we've also got um, the word created. Now, um, of course, in Exodus, it has the word made. Um, in Genesis 2, verse 4, we've got the word made, but we've also got the word created. That's important because um, we can't really go to Exodus and say, well, actually, um, God made the earth in six days, but creation is, is a different thing. We can see that actually here in, in Genesis chapter 2, and verse 4, um, that um, the period of time during which God made the heavens and the earth, he was also creating as well. Clearly um, created and made are different things in terms of their meaning. Um, we'll be talking about uh, the meaning of uh, created um, in the second part of this talk. Um, but uh, we have to, when we think of that verse in Exodus, which speaks about the six days, we can't just say, oh, well, that's talking about making. It's not talking about created because actually, um, well, it, it's not concerned with God creating because um, it, 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 the period of time being spoken of and the events being spoken of it, yes, it involves making and it also um, involves creating. Now, here's um, a chiasm, uh, which is there's a chiasm in Genesis 2, verse 4. Um, now, the chiasms um, say within uh, um, the amongst Christophans, Brother Stephen Palmer has brought our attention to the importance of chiasms in the last few years. And uh, this uh, structure here in Genesis 2 verse 4 has been identified and, uh, by uh, Brother Peter Heaviside. And uh, we've adapted uh, his, his, the way he structures this uh, uh, and presenting this, in presenting this chiasm here on the screen. And what it shows us um, is that... Um, Right at the middle of this chiasm, uh, the chiasm being formed by the words uh, heaven and earth, and those uh, two terms being reversed, earth and heavens, we can see that in the middle we've got creation um, and making, in their creation, in the day of making. Now what this chiasm does is back up what we were just saying just now, that is that uh, creation and making in, with regard to uh, the six days of creation with regard to the beginning uh, they go hand in hand and we can't separate out one from the, the other and and just say well actually uh, the six days in genesis wanted to do with making and uh, not to do with uh, creation um, but we can see that creating and making are certainly um, strongly um, linked uh, together so We've got um, a, a parallel then, or we can make a parallel between Genesis 2 verse 4 um, and in the beginning. So that God created um, 
uh, or the heavens, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth which God when the, when they were created, um, and in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Um, those two verses are talking um, about the same thing, the creation, um, and so we can make a parallel as well between in the day and in the beginning. Um, that day, which is a period of time uh, referring to uh, six days, that's the beginning. And in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Um, or they, it's when they were created in the day that Yahweh made the earth and the heavens. So the upshot of all that is that the beginning in Genesis 1, verse 1, refers to the uh, six days of creation. And we've identified, we've spoken about, and in the by when considering Genesis two um, verse uh, four, we've spoken about um, the beginning uh, and the six days, and and how they're uh, referring to the same thing. And we've talked about just how closely related, um, uh, in terms of um, both being in operation during those six days, are created and uh, made. And so these uh, cons, these things are, are bound together like a threefold cord, and we can't separate them um, from um, each other. So when we think about Genesis chapter one, um, what when we read about the various um, six days of creation, we're reading about the beginning, we're reading about creation, we're reading about things um, being made. Now let's uh, have a look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this is an important verse for helping us to understand um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, because um, in the uh, beginning there, there is referring, um, as we'll see, to uh, the same thing as Genesis 1. So this is giving us some information about um, Genesis chapter one uh, and the beginning is telling us that um, in that beginning, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. Now, just to establish um, the uh, the link with um, between Genesis one and John chapter one, it's not just the phrase um, in the beginning. So um, if you just have a look at um, John uh, chapter one now and just consider the, uh, some of the verses that follow um, from uh, first first verse, let's have a look at some of the other phrases that are used. We can see um, that the language um, used in John is taken from uh, the book of Genesis, what, uh, Genesis chapter one, not just the words in the beginning. So, in John one verse one, we read, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him." And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And so, um, as well as in the beginning, we've got darkness um, there in verse 5 in, in, in John chapter 1, which clearly um, it, it occurs in, obviously, occurs in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Um, we've got the, the, the English word made here in uh, verse three, um, but this is actually um, has more the sense of uh, was 
and it's from the verb uh, to be, a Greek word for to be, and that parallels what we get in Genesis 1 verse 3, where it says, uh, let there be and there was. Um, and so um, we could see uh, as well the, the, the light as well in verse 4 or 5, John 1. So what we've got here is um, John chapter 1, the early verses of John 1, the spirit through John is taking up language out of Genesis chapter 1 and making a very a strong a parallel uh, between the two of them. And so John uh, John chapter 1 is, is, is going to help us to understand um, those early verses of Genesis. So John 1 says, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And when we go back to Genesis chapter 1, to the beginning, and we look for God's word, the first uh, words of God uh, we hear of in terms of being spoken in the beginning are let there be light. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in terms of uh, John, uh, the, uh, the word that was in the beginning, firstly, was let there be light. That's the first spoken word um, in the beginning. Now, let's just remind ourselves of the, uh, of the principle we highlighted earlier, um, first natural, then spiritual. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it is talking primarily about the natural, um, which perhaps we today would call electromagnetic radiation, uh, visible light and, and other um, wavelengths as well, which are not visible uh, to the, the naked eye. Um, but there's a spiritual um, um, uh, teaching which underlies that. Um, so, for example, in John 8, verse 12, the Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So Christ was the word, and for example, let there be light, um, but he was the word made flesh, as, as uh, to use the language of um, later on in John chapter 1, where uh, John says in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So, um, yes, um, Genesis chapter 1 is under, underlying, it has a spiritual teaching, um, concerning uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, we need to understand uh, the natural. Remember the principle that before we can really understand the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to understand the law, including the book of Genesis. So the beginning, as far as John is concerned, was not just an empty container. It's not just a, um, a box with a question mark where we can just put anything. We, uh, we can just sort of come up with any theory um, that we think is uh, um, going to be correct and just put it into that box, knowing that it can't be proven and knowing or that or thinking that we can't be sure. It's not like that at all. As far as um, John is concerned, um, in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, was um, God's word now there is another interpretation of john chapter one which tries to um or which provides uh, goes against that um for example there's um a view uh, which is um by uh, people known as the uh Sicinians, um who uh were uh, a sort of a unitarian uh, group of people um, in the centuries uh, gone by. 
Um, and here we see a quotation from what is known as the Rakovian Catechism. Um, and we can see what they, the, and this is a Socinian view being expressed here. And they uh, said, as then the matter of which John is treating is the gospel or the things transacted under the gospel, nothing else ought to be understood here beside the beginning of the gospel. Um, a matter clearly known to Christians whom he addressed and so on and so forth. Now, as we said, there was, they, they were sort of Unitarians, but they, they, uh, they understood that the Lord Jesus um, was uh, um, the word. Uh, and they, but they didn't understand really uh, principles of God manifestation. And so they struggled with um, the idea that somehow the Lord Jesus could be the word, the word made flesh, of course, as we've known from Genesis 1 verse 14. And that um, that word could be there in the beginning in Genesis chapter one. And so um, they uh, instead said, well, actually, the beginning in John chapter one is speaking about the beginning of the gospel. And of course, sometimes that word in the New Testament is used in that way. But as we've seen, that is not the case. Um, in John chapter 1. Now, it's important that we um, don't uh, follow this belief um, because um, it's the wrong belief. Um, if we're looking at matters to do with Genesis chapter 1, um, it's an easy option to try to say that the word beginning um, in Genesis 1 verse 1 is referring to uh, something uh, of which we actually, we know nothing. Um, and it's a bit of a mystery. We're not told what's actually happened in the beginning. Um, but, but John chapter one, verse one is an embarrassment as far as that interpretation is concerned, because it says in the beginning was, um, and then it tells us what was in the beginning. It was God's word, God spoke. And we can go back to Genesis one and actually see uh, what um, was spoken. So this view, which is sometimes, um, uh, argued for in the uh, by Christadelphians. Um, Harry Whitaker used to believe, uh, follow this as far as uh, I can recall. And um, it, I've heard recently this view being put forward uh, by Christadelphian and not just the teaching, um, but actually uh, identifying it as a Sicinian view. And we need to keep a move away or keep away from this type of approach because it really is a backward step with regard to uh, the interpretation both of John and uh, Genesis. And uh, Sicinians were one of the people warned against, or their beliefs uh, were warned against by um, uh, Brother Thomas and Eureka, for example, here he says, Christadelphians are neither Arians, Sicinians, nor Trinitarians, but believers in the great mystery of godliness, deity manifested in flesh. Um, as set forth in the revelation, the mystery preached by the apostles. So that we, um, the understanding of the of God manifestation, um, of course, is critical to understanding um, how the word was in the beginning, um, in, but was also uh, the word made flesh, namely um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we have so another quotation from a quotation from Eureka by Brother Thomas. Um, and we just quote these words just to show he regarded, or he certainly didn't regard the beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1, as referring to the beginning of uh, the uh, gospel. He's speaking here of, uh, of, um, of the beginning in John's gospel. And he says, um, the apostle had, laid the, had the honor of the, receiving the apocalypse for transmission to his servants, the deity, 
has called our attention to the consideration of the fountain origin of life and power in what is commonly called the gospel according to John. He there points us to a certain commencement and saith, in the beginning was Hologos, and the Logos was with Theos, and Theos was the Logos. In the common version, what we would call the AV, this reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We may say, we may see from this the propriety of God starting himself the first, the beginning, and he who is and who was. He was from the beginning, whether that beginning be referred to the creation narrated by Moses, or a remote beginning before ever the earth was. A number of four, the Spirit says, will affirm that God is not. So, as far as Brother Thomas was concerned, the beginning uh, in John chapter 1 um, certainly didn't refer to beginning the gospel. He, he took it as beginning referring to the creation uh, record narrated um, by Moses or an even postulator, an even remoter um, beginning than that, as we've seen. Uh, beginning in Genesis 1 uh, is six days, and Gen is the six days. So as far as Brother Thomas was concerned, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, takes us back to uh, Genesis and not uh, it's not just referring to the uh, beginning of the gospel. And so then uh, what we need to uh, take from that is that John chapter 1, the early verses of John 1, is telling us something about the beginning as recorded in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, and it's telling us that in the beginning was the word god's word uh, was there and we can see what that word was um it's the word spoken during that beginning uh, beginning of course with the words let there be light and if we go to proverbs for example that speaks the writer there speaks to the beginning and he says yahweh possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the word earth was now if you relate that to genesis 1 verse 1 that takes us right back to the very beginning of the first day, the beginning of the beginning, if you like. Um, and we can see from Proverbs 8 that in the, the beginning, possessing wisdom, God created the heaven and the earth. So this gives us a little bit of insight um, into Genesis uh, 1. And of course, this is the, another important aspect of um, studying the creation in Genesis. We have to compare with scripture with scripture and we can bring other verses, other passages to bear to give us a lot more information um, than is superficially there um, in on the surface in Genesis chapter 1. So we can conclude that God's word was there in the beginning and God's wisdom was there as well. Now it's worth just noting what um, the world says about the beginning and what science says about the beginning as they understand it. Here's a quotation. Um, from Stephen Hawkins' Brief History of Time, and he says, as far as we are concerned, events before the Big Bang can have no consequences, so they should not form part of a scientific model of the universe. We should therefore cut them out of the model and say that time had a beginning at the Big Bang. Many people do not like the idea that time has a beginning, probably because it smacks of divine intervention. Now, what we can take from these words is that, first of all, as far as he was concerned, um, the the universe has had a beginning. So the, the idea of postulating a beginning or saying there's a beginning um, in terms of uh, Stephen Hawking's uh, view as, as expressed in these words, um, it's not unscientific to say that the universe had a beginning. Now, of course, what that beginning um, 
was like and the the uh, character that the uh, nature of that beginning um of course um the big bang is his was his uh, belief um that does not match what the bible says but what we can draw from the these words um is that um science itself uh, scientists themselves have said that the universe has had a beginning um, and so when we read the beginning in genesis 1 um, that is not an unscientific as far as that goes it's not an unscientific statement it's a word which um, um, is used by scientists themselves when speaking about the universe but when scientists talk about the universe um, and the beginning of the about the beginning of the universe what they're doing is following things back, assuming that things just carry on um, backwards um, on, on the basis of what they can observe today. Um, and they end up going back to what they call uh, the Big Bang, when everything in the universe was um, close to pack, compact together in what they call the singularity. And this is the writings, oh, these are some uh, comments taken from a book, The First Three Minutes, uh, by Steven Weinberg, who's a scientist, and he's speaking about um, how the universe um, began. Now, what he's doing here is, uh, as you say, look at what you can observe today, and just assuming everything runs back as it, uh, in, in time and arriving at this point of infinity and it's just interesting to know what he says about this because he says unfortunately i cannot start the film at zero time and infinite temperature i will start the story in this chapter about one hundredth of a second after the beginning and then he says our ignorance of microscopic physics stands as a veil obscuring our view of the very beginning so what he's saying and this isn't this is not uh, this is a well-recognized point as far as cosmologists are concerned and that is that um, when everything gets so compact um, then um, the laws of the universe can't be applied as they are today um, equations don't work and nobody really knows um, what was going on um, assuming that that uh, um, interpretation of the beginning is correct namely a big bang so they can't start right at the very, very beginning because of the infinite um, energies, the infinite densities which are involved. So they can't, science cannot take us from scientific point of view, um, assuming, even following this Big Bang model, which doesn't match um, perfectly with scripture at all. But even following this model, they can't take us, or science cannot take us right back to the beginning but just to a short time after the beginning. But the Bible is different. The Bible can take us right back to zero time because the view of the very beginning from zero time is revealed in the Bible with no veil obscuring our view. And if you ask the question, well, what was in the beginning? What was there right at the beginning before even the universe um, was uh, uh, created? And the answer, of course, is God. So God was there at zero time. So the Bible takes us um, to a place where science, by its own omission uh, of it, cannot take us. All it can take, well, it can take it, it can, it can direct us to the fact that um, the universe at some point, in some way, um, began um, from uh, infinity. 
but it cannot tell us uh, anything about um, uh, what was before or what the nature of that infinity, apart from uh, its, its infinite energy. And of course, we would say from a Bible point of view, that uh, infinite source of energy that ultimately is God. So the, yes, the, even scientists say that the universe had a, uh, or, um, or some scientists say the universe had a, a beginning, but they cannot, even when they speak of the beginning, they cannot take us right back to zero time because of the infinities involved. But the Bible can do that, and it tells us that in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heaven uh, and the earth. So that's um, just having a look at the word beginning in Genesis chapter one. Let's now move on to the second part of our study, which is looking at the word, uh, the verb created, as we find um, in Genesis uh, chapter one. So Genesis one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And uh, the Hebrew for created, the Hebrew word, it's a barah, it's a here, here. Uh, word which uh, is uh, translated uh, created here on numerous occasions um, in the Old Testament. So we're going to have a look at this um, word uh, bara um, with regard to the sense of creation. Now it's just worth noting in passing this Hebrew word bara is used um, in a few instances with a different sense um, in relation to man. So we've got um, it's translated cut down in Joshua. Thou shalt cut it down um, in Joshua 17, verse 18, to make yourselves fat. Is that he same Hebrew word? First Samuel 2, verse 29, and it's translated dispatch in Ezekiel 23, verse 47. So the meaning here, as it's used in these verses, um, is very different from uh, the sense of creation which we're going to look at with regard to the uh, the other uses of this hebrew word now no doubt there are um deep connections and and, and ironic connections between these uses that we can see here on the screen at the moment um and we're compared with um the the other more typical uses of, of the word verb for created um but what we're not going to look at these uh, instances in this study we're going to concentrate on when this hebrew word bara is used um, with the sense of creation and what we're going to do is is make a, um, uh, just go make several points uh, numbered points about the meaning of this word uh, create as it's used in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and in other and in other uh, cases where it's the, the, the sense of creation uh, is is applied or is, is used by um, that verb. So first of all, the first point to note is this, that only God can create. Only God can create. Now, this is not um, a new point by any stretch of the imagination, not a new observation to make yourself as have made this um, point um, before, but it's worth, of course, um, noting, emphasizing, um, and worth proving as well. Now, here's a, a verse, from, a couple of verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. So in terms of um, um, man um, 
doing things and in terms of uh, thinking things and inventing things in terms of uh, things occurring naturally, um, there's no new thing. You can always um, derive what happens from what has um, gone before. Ideas that individuals come up with, there might be new ideas in a, in a, in, in, in the way they're presented um, and the way they bring other things together. Um, but you can always derive them from what's gone uh, before in some form or other. So in that sense, um, there's no new thing um, in uh, the world. But creation is different. When God creates, he creates new things. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, Isaiah 65, verse 17. Then Jeremiah 31, how long would I go about of thy backsliding daughter? For Yari hath created a new thing in the earth a woman shall compass a man so um we can see then that um naturally speaking there are no new things which occur um in the creation but once but when god creates um then new things uh are formed whether it be heavens and the earth um or uh what's spoken of here in Genesis 31 and verse 22. So it's worth um, bearing in mind then that um, um, whatever new, th whatever th novel things that a man comes up with, um, they can always be ultimately derived from other things, but only God can truly create a new thing. Now, do we agree with that? Well, hopefully we do agree with that. But on the other hand, it's probably worth just reflecting on the fact that probably all of us at some point have used the word create of either ourselves or other people. The word is used all the time. Creative writing. Um, we talk about things creating a problem. Um, and um, we, we, we talk about our children being creative. And we all use this word create. Um, all of you have all used it in the past um, at some point, but we really ought not to use the word create of ourselves, um, of other um, people or of, um, of events, of naturally occurring things, because truly only God um, can create. We can invent things. Uh, we can be imaginative. Um, we can design things. Um, but and we can make things, but only God um, can create. It's worth also noting, of course, that in Genesis chapter one, um, God, the word God is refers to the uh, creator. Um, but we know that it's the, the, the Hebrews word Elohim. And it, we know that God created uh, the heavens and the earth uh, through his uh, his angels were involved in that creation and so therefore in Genesis 1 verse 26 it says let us make man in our image this is the angels manifesting God and we know that um, that Hebrew word Elohim which is translated God in Genesis 1 verse 1 it's it uh, occurs in Psalm 8 where it's translated in the English as the angels but we know that that is um, fair translation because in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 7 the inspired quotation of Psalm 8 uses the Greek word uh, for um, angels, angelos. So we see then um, that the word, uh, it's worth just noting, noting in passing that when God created the heavens and the earth, we said only God can create. Of course, he, um, when he chooses to, 
he can do that he does that through his um angels so only god can create so what's the second point well the second point is this that creating involves the spirit of god so in genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 we read in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So whatever a creation is, um, it involves God's spirit. Now in Psalm 104 and verse 30, we have the spirit being uh, explicitly linked with creation. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created and thou renewest the face of the earth. Now, this is a tantalizing verse because um, it speaks about creation um, and it also speaks about renewal. Um, and it does raise lots of interesting questions about um, um, uh, the role of uh, God in sustaining uh, the, the, uh, the heavens and the earth. But just concentrating um, for this talk on what is spoken of um, in Genesis chapter one in terms of creation there, we see that um, um, the creation of the heavens and the earth um, involved the spirit of God. Now, Brother Thomas um, makes an important point in, in this regard because there is a sometimes we, we might hear um, and we might ourselves have spoken uh, about creation being uh, creation out of nothing. Um, but this is a wrong way to describe um, what happened in Genesis chapter 1. So in, in Phanerosis, Brother Thomas says, the source of fountain of power in the universe is one. It is a unit. Therefore, everything which exists is ex auto out of him. Hence, the creator did not make all things out of nothing. This is the teaching of the theology, the orthodox theology of the old man um, of the flesh. And again, he writes um, uh, in a... In a um, a piece of writing which was published after his death in 1871, all things being out of deity, they were not made out of nothing. The sun, moon, stars, together, all things pertaining to each were made out of something, and that something was the radiant effluence of his uh, substance or free spirit which pervades unbounded space. So the point that Brother Thomas is making here um, is that it's wrong to say that um, creation, that God made things out of nothing, God did not make things out of nothing. He made things out of the, his uh, spirit. Now, sometimes when you uh, hear or read what Christophans, Christophans um, say about this, sometimes they will be speaking and writing about creation and they will be saying God created things out of nothing. And um, quite clearly, when they write in this way, they would not deny that God creates out of things out of his spirit. Um, but it's just a bit of a, it, it's, it's not a right way of speaking. So let's not use this language. Let's not speak at all about God creating things out of nothing because it's not true. God creates things um, out of his spirit. Now, in relation to that, it's also, also worth noting this, that creation was a miracle. When God creates, it's a miracle. Now, the word English word miracle is used to translate different uh, words in the Bible. One of the words it's used of is the word power, dunamis. So in Romans 1 verse 20, we read, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, 
so that they are without excuse. Now, we mentioned earlier about physicists um, going back in time uh, trying to uh, come up with the origin of the universe, and they end up um, coming up with um, infinity. Um, and that actually, um, in terms of the way Paul is writing here, um, is a kind of proof that there is a God because you end up just showing that the universe must have started in some form or there was some at some point in time um, in, as from infinity there was eternal power but the point we're interested in making here is that um, this word dunamis is also translated sometimes as miracles so for example Galatians 3 verse 5 we read he therefore that ministers through the spirit and worketh miracles um, among you and so, at least in the English translation, this word is the English word miracle is used to translate this word. And we can see it being uh, related in Galatians 3 here to the Spirit of God. Um, and so, I think we can um, uh, say uh, with a, uh, quite accurately that creation um, was um, a miracle. And, and that's important for understanding. Um, what we observe today and how we interpret it um, in terms of trying to um, put together what has happened um, in the past. Because if miracles are at the heart of creation, that has a big impact, as we'll see uh, later, um, on um, the way things are, are perceived today. For example, um, if somebody gave us a piece of bread and said, how do you think that piece of bread uh, came about? We would. Um, be able to uh, we would explain it in terms of um, uh, of, uh, of grain growing and uh, the, the kneading process and things being baked um, but then what would we say if somebody said well actually this bread was a miraculous was a miraculously uh, created uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ when he, he, he fed the 5,000 of course that bread that was uh, miraculously um, created then it does not exist today uh, anymore um, but uh, that would be a challenge if that piece of bread was in front of us and we uh, imagine us back in the first century and we were given a piece of bread that had been part of that miracle. Um, it would be a test as to whether we would um, go with the uh, scientific explanation of how that bread came into existence or whether we would believe the word of God or believe the records of, of what had been uh, spoken concerning that event and have the faith to uh, believe that yes that bread was miraculously uh, created so um it it, uh, it is an important um uh, thing to remember in relation to creation and if we get whatever interpretation we come up with with genesis chapter one, well, there's always going to be things we, we don't fully understand um and things we can't fully uh, things perhaps we observe that we can't fully reconcile um uh, into with uh, with genesis uh, particularly particularly when we um, take into account not just what we're observing, but the, um, the explanations that come along with them as put together by uh, scientists and so forth. Um, but what we have to do is um, not be afraid to have a fallback, which is to say, look, creation was a miracle. It was miraculous. And we need to uh, uh, bear, uh, bear that um, in mind. So, Next thing we need to take uh, next point to make is that creating involves the commands of God. Now, um, we've already seen that God's word is involved in uh, creation. We're being quite explicit here in terms of using the word command because this word um, is used um, in the same 
context directly in the same context um, as uh, uh, the word create. So, for example, in Psalm 148, verse 5, we read, Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for he commanded and they were created. So the heavens, the stars, host of the heavens, was created by the command of God. So we can see there in that verse, Psalm 148, verse 5, that um, command, being commanding is uh, an important part of the act of creation. Um, and then in Psalm 133, verse 9, we read, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Now, the word create isn't actually used there, but we can see um, the, the similar point uh, being made here, that when God commands, um, then something is done. And the first command we read of in the scriptures uh, is the, are those words, let there be light. Of course, when God uh, made that command, then we read, and that there was um, light. Now here's an important uh, point to note about um, when God commands something to be done. Um, in, in, Gen, in Daniel chapter 10 verse 13 we have the angels speaking here I mean, it says but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days below Michael one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So the angels at work providentially behind the scenes in the affairs of man um, and it took time to get a particular thing done because it involved um, man it involved um, men making decisions men uh, doing things men change their minds and so on and so forth um, in other words the, 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 the man involved here being the prince of the kingdom of Persia but that was not the case in Genesis, there was no man to hinder things. There was no um, men to um, choose not to obey God's commands or, or, or to not choose to go down a particular set of circumstances which um, providentially was being uh, made. They were being confronted with. There was just God's spirit and God's word. And so in Second Corinthians, maybe in a slightly different context, but we have these words. Now, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So in Genesis chapter 1, in the early verses, um, when God spake, God was at liberty to do uh, what he chose. And, of course, he could do anything um, in, in a moment of time. But there was nothing to hinder the commands at all um, in Genesis chapter 1. So when God makes commands, for example, in the law of Moses, some men obey them, some men don't. And, and even when men obey them, sometimes they delay to obey those commands but that's not what was happening in the early verses of Genesis when God spake it was done God said let there be light and there was light um, there was there was complete liberty nothing was there was it wasn't there was no hindrance by man and so we read in Psalm 147 verse 15 he sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth his word runneth very swiftly um, and uh, it's, it's worth noting that because sometimes there, there is a, an interpretation of Genesis brought forward where the, uh, it, it's argued there was a gap between when the command was made um, and when the, uh, the actual uh, command uh, was carried out. Um, but that is absolutely um, not um, the case. In, uh, in, there was no evidence for that at all in Genesis chapter 1. So, we now move on to our next um, criteria, or next um, 
definition or criterion of creation. And that is this, that a creative act cannot be predicted from initial conditions. So what do we mean by that? Well, let's take an example um, from uh, the words of the Lord Jesus to begin with. Um, and this is not an example of creation, but this is to do with the natural. So in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 2, we read, He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? So the Lord Jesus is seeking to make a more important point about the signs of the times. What we're going to keep to here is just look at the natural. So what we have here then, we have an initial state, which is, for example, it's evening time and the sky is red. Now from that, we can make a prediction based on those initial conditions. The prediction is there's going to be fair weather. On the other hand, it might be morning and the sky might be red and lowering. And we can make a prediction that that day foul weather is going to come. So the initial state contains all the information we need for determining the future state in terms of uh, just in terms of the natural. That's the point that we're making here. And I note note it's not the focus here is on the information uh, which is there in the initial state. Whether or not man has got enough knowledge to understand that or not, or be aware of all the factors, is, is not the issue here. Because God uh, know, has a perfect knowledge uh, of all things. But the, the issue here is, is that knowledge, is that information, is that data there in the initial state or not? Can you, just by, if you had a perfect knowledge of the initial state, could you then, from just from that information, then uh, predict what's going to happen in the future. Well, in, in terms of the sky is evening, the sky is red. Yes, you can. There's going to be fair weather um, the following day. Now, um, here's another example. Numbers chapter 16, verse 29. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then Yahweh hath not sent me. So we've got an initial state here for these men, called death and Abiram. Initially, they're alive. And uh, there might be factors such as old age, disease, and accident. Um, and if we had a perfect knowledge of all um, the, the, the uh, conditions at that point, um, this would relate to think how things were moving, how what decisions people were going to make, uh, the health of the individuals, whether or not they did indeed have um, a disease at that point, and so on and so forth. Then we would be able to make a prediction that um, they were going to die if that was uh, if that was uh, the case. So, for example, if they had a, a heart problem or if they had um, some cancer or something, uh, then you then obviously you can make if you had a perfect knowledge of that, um, you could then make a prediction from that initial state uh, with regard to what was going to happen in the future. But now let's go to the next verse in number 16. Now, the first thing to note here is the English says make. In the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word create, bara. Um, so, but if Yahweh make, or if Yahweh create a new thing, and this is a different word to that word we uh, looked at in uh, Ecclesiastes, this is a word which is based on the uh, word for uh, create. Um, and um, 
it goes on to say, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit. Then you shall understand that these men have provoked Yahweh. So what was, what's been spoken about here is a, a creation, a creation of a, of a new or a created thing. What was going to happen was not going to be a natural event. It was going to be a miracle. It was going to be a, a, something new was going to be created. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if you had a perfect knowledge of um, all the um, uh, initial conditions at that point in time, perfect knowledge of the individuals involved, the perfect knowledge of the geology uh, of the earth at that point, um, none of that would tell you, none of that would contain the information necessary to determine the creative act in the future, namely that, that the earth was going to open up like a, um, a mouth and swallow these people and, and close close up again afterwards. So what was going to happen was not a natural uh, event. It wasn't just a natural sinkhole or something of that, of that like. And obviously you could predict a sinkhole if you knew the conditions of, of the earth. Um, at that point, you could predict that's what's going to happen. Um, this was going to be a, a, something that was going to be created um, by God. So the initial state then would not enable you to predict this, uh, what in the, in the AV is called the new thing, the created thing that was going to be created. So let's, let's apply that principle to creation. So take any day of creation. So the initial state on that particular day does not contain information necessary to determine the creative act in the future. So whatever happens on a given day, you can't look at that, uh, all that, uh, what's happened on that day, and look at the state of the earth at that point, and then say, right, well, we can predict what's going to happen uh, on the next day. This is what's going to happen, not, not based just on the natural information. Obviously, God knew what was going to happen, um, but the information as to what was going to happen was not contained in what uh, was created the day before. So the day before man was created, you couldn't, if you had a perfect knowledge that everything that had been created the previous day, you a perfect knowledge of every single um, atom, every single quark, every sim, every, everything, perfect knowledge. None of that would tell you that actually the next day man was going to be created. But there's another point which relates to this, and, and that is this, um, that um, if an event has happened, which is just a natural event, you can then uh, go back in time um, in terms of looking at what, is it the, uh, what has happened now in the future state, and, and you should be able to go back and identify what has gone on in the past. So the future state contains all the information necessary to determine how it came about. So normally when a person dies, um, the, uh, the coroner can work out how that person died, whether it was by accident, disease, uh, just old age, whatever it might be. Um, and uh, where they can't do that is because they haven't got um, a perfect knowledge. But if they had a perfect knowledge of everything at that point, everything that had gone before um, relating to the individual and the circumstance of the individual, then they would be able to determine um, the initial state that had existed uh, uh, beforehand. Um, but that's not true of the thing which was created. So a future state of when something's been created does not contain all the information necessary to determine how it came about. So after these men have been swallowed up, when the earth had opened up, 
the geologists, for example, came along afterwards, they would not be able to work out exactly what had happened. They might come up with a theory which might be close. They might come up with a sinkhole theory or an earthquake theory. Um, but unless they had a, um, a record uh, of the fact that a miraculous intervention had been made, um, then they would not be able to determine um, what um, the, the, the initial conditions which had existed beforehand and make a link um, between those initial conditions um, and the, the, uh, the conditions which existed at, uh, existed at that point. And that's very important for um, creation. So that when God creates something, um, we can't assume that the particular state at that point is going to give us all the information necessary to determine how that um, event came about and what things were necessarily were, were like um, before. There's no arrow we can draw from creation day n to creation day n plus one, where we can, um, knowing the initial state, we can then predict the future state or, or knowing the future state, we can have us uh, uh, work out what the situation was um, uh, before uh, beforehand. So um, if we find that there's um, uh, fair weather, um, then we might, and we had a perfect knowledge of, of, of everything at that point, including the weather conditions, um, dust in the atmosphere and so on, we might be able to conclude that, um, we would be able to conclude if we had a perfect knowledge of that, that there was previously, previously evening, there had been a red sky, but you wouldn't, you can't do that with creation. It's like a block. Um, if you just, if you just go by the natural, don't take out account of what God says, then you're going to, um, we're going to miss turnings in the road and, um, we're going to miss, um, 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 what happened in actual fact, because um, we, the current state cannot, just from a natural point of view, um, cannot tell us exactly what happened in the past. And so um, if we ignore the Bible and just go on what we're observing, um, then we sail past the flood, uh, we sail past uh, creation, not even realizing they actually took place. And we just keep going back and going back, following things back. We end up at a big bang, which is actually, of course, nothing uh, uh, like what the uh, Bible um, uh, speaks about uh, in terms of creation, as recorded in the early verses of Genesis chapter one. So this is a very important point that uh, we're making here, that creative act cannot be predicted um, from um, initial uh, conditions. Next point to make um, is that uh, creation, creating is a necessary precursor for making. This is based on this verse here in Genesis 2 verse 3, which says, following the AV margin, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created to make. So it's basically an infinitive there, um, uh, which the AV margin um, takes um, account of. In, in the margin, to say that's the Hebrew, that's what it says. For some reason, the AV translators, AV translation didn't f follow this, perhaps because um, they didn't, the translators maybe, this is just a guess, but didn't fully appreciate the difference between create and make. 
and just assumed they were basically very similar verbs, in which case it didn't really quite make sense. But we've seen that actually um, creation is a completely different thing from making. I mean, we haven't looked at making itself in detail, but it's, but um, it, 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 we've, we've seen the criterion criteria that apply to create are very different um, from making. Um, and so what this verse is making an important point, which is that God, it, for something to be made, it presupposes that creation has taken place. So when God makes something, um, at some point, creation as well has to have uh, taken place. Just think of it in terms, for example, of a simple example. Here's a quote from First Kings about Solomon. For the entering of the oracle, he made doors of olive trees. So here's a, an example of somebody making something. Um, but Solomon could only make the doors from olive wood because um, God had originally at some point created the olive tree. If God hadn't created the tree, the olive tree in the first place, then Solomon wouldn't be able to make a door from olive wood. So um, creating um, is a necessary uh, precursor uh, to making. Final point to make is that creative act has an end point. Um, and we can see that very straightforwardly in the beginning of Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had made. And the, the word made has been there, used. But of course, we've seen that creation was taking place and God had created in order to make. And this work was finished. It was ended. Um, and that's worth bearing in mind um, uh, when considering, for example, uh, theistic evolution, where it, it, it is, creation is not an ongoing process. There's no evolving. Uh, God spake um, and uh, it was done. So there was a clear end point uh, where things were created uh, and made in relation to in the, the days of creation uh, by God. In, in the beginning. So then in conclusion, what we've seen then as far as uh, uh, creating is concerned is that only God can create and he does so, so through his spirit, miraculously carrying out his commands. A creative act cannot be predicted from initial natural conditions and the conditions that exist after the creative act do not contain all the necessary information to explain how they came about. Uh, creating is a necessary precursor for making and creative act has an end point. And we saw in the first half of our talk that uh, the beginning in Genesis 1 uh, verse 1 refers to the six days of creation. So I hope uh, you found that talk useful um, and hopefully maybe in the future, God willing, we can look at some other aspects of creation as recorded uh, in the early chapters of Genesis.